I mean, it's obvious God has a special plan for my life. Why did my brothers do this to me? I only did what my father asked for. A dream has come true. I mean, it's not nice to be sold as a slave by your own brothers. But here, yeah, it's okay. I won't die in here. Because I did everything right. Didn't I learn my lessons when my brothers sold me a slave? Now I'm dying because of them. God, your thoughts and plans are so much higher than mine. And we have started a brand new series about uh, From Dream to Destiny, and the title tonight is Loser Test. Yeah, Loser Test. I, will, I, will, I love to speak about Joseph because Joseph, for me, is a role model in the Old Testament because the Bible says the favor of God was always with Joseph. That means the favor of God led him to his whole life. And Joseph, he had a dream. God gave him two times a dream. And here's the thing, when you have a dream, and here's a graphic about the dream, when you have a dream, always you look for an interpretation. Why? What could it be? But from the dream to the destiny took him 13 years. But the dream he had in mind and the destiny was two total different things. And in the 13 years, he faced 10 tests. And when you hear the word test, it reminds me a little bit about school. Because often our teachers said, Friday, we will have a test. And I was like, really? Could you not postpone it a week later? When they announced that there will be a test on Friday, I knew on Friday I will be sick. But a test is always like, has a touch of, of teaching and testing how good you are. And when you hear the word test, please have in your mind this amazing illustration about um, Michelangelo. He stood in front of the marble and he looked at the marble and out of that he created the very well famous David. And when people were, have asked him, how, how have you done it? How, how was that possible? And he said, it was simple. I chipped everything away from the marble that didn't belong to David. And this is an amazing illustration, actually. When God tests us, that means God is chipping things away in our heart that doesn't belong to us. For example, when we have areas, we have fear, God chips us away egoism, insecurity, or even pride. And in every test, the goal from God is to bring the gold out of our hearts. And this is very important for you to know when, because when you hear the word test, it's not God is mean or God is not in good mood. It's always about the gold in your heart. And every test has a reason to chip those things away that it doesn't belong to Leo Bigger. And here's another thing. The tests comes always out of the blue. Write it down. It's always out of the blue. God will never say to you, hey, from now in a week, Friday, three o'clock, boom, the test will come. No, it always comes out of a blue. One day, the father sent Joseph out into the field. And Joseph thought, oh, that's an ordinary day. I'm going out to the field, check out about my brothers. He had no clue that that day will be one of the biggest tests in his life. In Genesis chapter 37, I want to read uh, this Bible verse to you. 
But they saw him, Joseph, in a distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that the ferocious animal devoted him. Then we will see what comes out of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cisterns here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from that and take him back to his father, a good guy. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him on his robe. The ordinated robe was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cisterns. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. I mean, out of the blue. And this is how Joseph felt in that moment. Why? Why did my brothers do this to me? I only did what my father asked for. I just went out to the fields and see if they had done their work. They beat me, sold me. Those damn pigs. Aren't they my brothers? Father will know what they did to me. He would, he would. I'm his beloved son. Now, now I sold to somewhere. Where is my coat? Out of the blue. This is a cistern. This is a cistern test. When they kicked him into that fountain cistern, this is what Joseph he felt, oh my gosh, my life is over. In one moment, I lost everything. And there are moments in our lives when God testing us. Maybe you're losing a job out of the blue. Maybe a relationship finished out of the blue. You're losing money out of the blue. You're sick out of the blue. And it's dark around you. And here's the thing, when we are in a cistern, we just think often, where is God? Why me? What is the benefit? What could be the reason why God is doing that to me? And if you don't find any reason or any solution, you know what happens? We feel like a victim. We will say, oh my gosh, my brothers and my sisters, they were jealous about me and that's why they want to kill me. It's not about them, it's about me and the father. He didn't, was so smart about praising me. And all of a sudden, you are in a victim mentality. Of course, we know the whole story, and that's always the problem or the challenge when we read the Bible, because we know, hey, Joseph, take it easy, chill the base, chill the base. There's only test number two out of that. Will come eight other tests, you pass all them, and then you'll be number two, chill the base. Come on, Joseph, everything works out very, very fine. But here is the story for Joseph. He had no clue if this will be the end of his life. 
And David in the Bible, he faced the same challenge like Joseph. And he wrote in Psalm 33, verse 2 and 3, I will glory in the Lord and let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And this is one of the hardest tests, right? Because there is a moment, and I know when I preached that this morning, the church was quiet. Because we don't like messages like this. We want to hear, we're going from glory to glory, from blessing to blessing. Yes, I can preach that, but often this is only one truth. Sometimes we're facing moments when God tests us, when everything takes away, who am I? Is God still my God or still I start to struggle a little bit? And this is a very important question tonight. I want to go through some points. What happens when we are in a fountain in a cistern? The point number one, there is fear. My fear. And the fear is always never. I will never be healthy again. I will never ever find a job like that. I will never ever ever never have a girlfriend like that. There's always the never ever. Have you ever had this feeling, the never ever? The never ever is so strong and he's just thinking for a moment, my life is over. In Psalm 33 verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. It's cool, right? The man of God had no fear anymore. And this is often, we read this Bible text and say, oh, I should be more like Joseph. I should be more like David. Really? And here's the thing I want to give you an advice when you read the Bible, when you just pick up one Bible verse. You have to read the Bible verse before and the Bible verse after. Because in that Bible verse, chapter, uh, verse number one, the Bible is saying, David met Abimelech. And Abimelech, he was a king and a high priest. And David thought, if I meet Abimelech and he gets angry and he figures out that I'm a king, he will kill me. Two kings are enough. And in that moment, David was full of fear. And he thought, what could be the solution? God, help me out. And he did something very weird. He start, took out some water from the mouth and it ran over the beard like this. Was running down and Abimelech thought, oh my gosh, this guy is a psycho. Take him away. Put him in a straight jacket. And Abimelech kicked him away because David was a good actor. Question. It's the man after the heart of God. Wow. He was a good actor. And here's the thing. When we have fear, often there is no blood anymore in our brain. We're not thinking logic anymore, right? We're thinking out of the soul. And the soul will always say, never, ever. It's, it's done. I'm finito. It's over. But here's the thing, we need actually a strategy when fear hits in our soul or in our spirit. Many, many years ago, I read an amazing story about the guy. Every time when he came home, he went to the backyard of his house and there was a huge tree in his backyard. And every day before he 
he entered the house, he embraced the big, big tree like this. For minutes. And the kids, they thought, what is daddy doing? And his wife thought, what's going on with my husband? Why is hugging a tree for minutes every day? And always after he hugged the tree, he walked to the house. He was super happy, happy and really happy. And one day his wife asked, tell me, what is the reason you're hugging every day a tree before you enter the apartment? And he said, honey, every day when I come home from work, I have worries, I have problems, sometimes I'm full of fear, and before I enter the house, I hug the tree, and the tree is for me like a symbolic of Jesus Christ, the cross is out of wood, and I embrace Jesus for so long, until my soul, my spirit is in peace with God, and I walk into the apartment and know fear and worries are not in my soul anymore. And this is an amazing story. I don't know, maybe, maybe you need a tree as well in your home. I don't know. But this is a very, very good practical illustration before you walk into the house. Don't take your worries with you. Don't take your fears with you because that's not a smart thing. Otherwise, we start to act like David. And that's not faith. The se- point number two, my cry. You know what we do when we are facing a system moment when God takes everything away from us to people? We start to cry. In Psalm 34, verse 5 and 6, those who looked to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out from all his troubles. Please there's a difference between crying and whining. There's a difference between crying and whining. Whining is, whining is a good example, could be like Neymar, the soccer player Neymar. He whined the whole world championship, really the whole world was saying, what's wrong with you? You anyhow a good soccer player, you don't have to whine. Or another good example would be the Italian, because they, they were not be in the world championship, they were whining all the time. Whining means, oh, oh, it's not fair, it's not my fault. Joseph could say, it's not fair, it's not okay. My brothers, they kicked me into the, in, into the systems, it's their results, it's not mine. My wife, my husband, my cat, my dog, my church, Switzerland. Whining sounds like a sheep. So often, People whine all the time. Whining, it's not faith. Whining means I am a victim. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. You can whine as long as you want. It will not change anything. Crying has a meaning when Joseph or David cried to God. The meaning was this. When Joseph was in the cistern, And he lost everything in one moment. Crying means, God, I don't understand what are you doing. But your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. But I believe 
And I will believe. And I command my soul, God is good. Even then, when I don't understand why God is doing what he's doing, he is still good. He is still in charge. He is my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me. He protects me. He blesses me. And this system will not kill me unless this is my last stop on earth. Crying means I position myself in the goodness of God Almighty. And when I'm crying, I say to God, God, you're like a puzzle God. You have all the puzzle pieces together. You know the whole story. You know the beginning and the end. You know everything. That's why you're not nervous. But right now, for me, Joseph, I just see these system tests. And I don't understand the message. I don't understand the next test. I don't understand the forgiveness test, the prosperity test. There are so many tests and tests and tests and tests and tests and tests and tests. And tests. But in every test, God, you're chipping something away from my heart that doesn't belong to me. And I position myself in the system that God has the full picture. And God knows what he's doing. This is crying. When we praise and worship, we lift up our hands. It looks always weird, right? But this is a position. God, I cry to you that my spirit is connecting with your truth. That's the difference between crying mining. Point number three, my reverence. My reverence. And the brothers thought that the anointing, the favor of God, it's in the rope. They believed. They believed that the anointing of Joseph was in the rope. It's my color, right? I, 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 if I walk around like this, they're thinking the street parade goes on. But here's the thing. They believed when we take the rope away from Joseph, then the favor of God is away. The anointing is away. And this is a big mistake. The anointing is never in a rope. The anointing is never in a position. It's never in a title. It's never in a career. It's never in money. Often Swiss people, we believe in career. We believe in money. We believe in position because I'm positioned. That means I am blessed. It's never in the rope. The anointing is not your situation. The anointing is in you. Jesus Christ is in me and nobody on earth can steal it can take it out from me. That's why the anointing is not the rope. It's Jesus lives in me. Even though when I'm facing situation like a system, everything is taken away, I still believe God's favor is in me, is with me, and he will never, ever, ever leave me. Psalm 34 verse 8 and 10. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord. You, this holy people, for those who fear him, they will lack nothing. 
The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And here's the thing, when David was saying that, he had a lot of challenges in his life. When he wrote that psalm, David lost a child. And losing a child, I think, is one of the hardest things can ever happen to a person. That's actually one of the biggest tests. David lost a child. He was on the run for many years. He lived in a cage, cave. Even his own son, they want to kill him. When David is saying, I'm lacking nothing, David was not saying, I have a position, I am the king, I have a house, I have money. David was actually saying, even though when I'm on a run, nobody can steal the God who lives in me. The anointing, the favor of God is in me. And that's actually an amazing thing. Uh, verse 18 and 19, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in the spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And here's the thing. I met a business guy some weeks ago and he told me they kicked him out of the company. And he was super, super disappointed. He was a little bit sour, a little bit bitter. And he asked me, how can that be? And I said to him, your anointing, your calling is never in a title, not even in a business, not even a job. Nobody can stop the work of God in you as long you believe that God is not finished, is not done with you. Nobody can steal God who lives in you. And that is your anointing. This is the favor of God who lives in you. Some years ago, a guy said to me, oh, it's easy for you, you have, a, you have a stage. Because you have a stage, you can preach. I always say the same thing to you right now. I don't need a stage, I am the stage. I can sit in a coffee, there is my stage. I can meet you in a tram, there is my stage. I can meet you in an airport, there is my stage. I don't need a stage, I am the stage. And nobody can steal a stage from me because the stage is in me. Do you understand? And that's the thing, Jesus lives in you. The next point, my lies. Because the brother thought the anointing of David, Joseph, is in the rope. So they killed him, they tried to kill him, and there was a second rope. And when they brought the rope, the rope was different. Full of blood, they crashed the whole rope, and it looked really, really ugly. And they brought that rope to the father. And they asked the father, and that's how lie works. Genesis 37, verse 32. They took the ordinated rope back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it's your son's rope, yes or no. Yes or no. Oui or no. A or B. When the father had the evidence in his hand, 
This was the evidence. He said straight. He came up with an interpretation straight. The father said, a wild animal has eaten up him and Joseph is dead. It didn't come from the brother. The father said, evidence, blood, rope, my son is dead. And for 22 years, the father believed a lie. <laughs> for 22 years, the father believed in a lie. And this is exactly how the devil works in our life. He comes to you with evidence. For example, you're married. And after 10 years, you say, oh, my wife has changed. Also, she's not the same anymore. And here is the evidence. When I, when I married her, she was easy. Now she's not easy anymore. Huh? And there is another woman. I met her and I feel we are like soulmates. Have you ever heard soulmates? And that's why we fit better together. And you believe those things. Or you're going to the doctor and the doctor some years ago, I went to the doctor, I was sick and the doctor asked me, is anyone in your family, they died recently? I said, yeah, my, my dad. I said, oh, what kind of a sickness he had? I said, oh, he had um, back, back pain, uh, backbone cancer. And the doctor said to me, no. Just like, no. And he's saying that, and I felt, oh my gosh, I, I, will, I will die like my father. And I had an evidence. Just one comment or one, boom, goes in. And there's so many things we believe in and they're actually not true. And this is how the devil tricks us. Uh, like, just give an example. Uh, when I got saved that day when I drove home to my apartment, I heard like an acoustic voice from God, I will use you as an evangelist, evangelist one day. And when I heard that word evangelist, I thought, oh, that's cool. I could be like Reiner Bonke screaming and shouting and millions of people got saved and they're doing healings. Oh, that's cool, God. That I love it. Big is always even in my name. And I thought maybe, maybe, maybe another version could be like Billy Graham, more like the American version. Jesus loves you. It's not screaming and shouting, but also you're filling stadiums. And this was my picture. I will be an evangelist. I will lead many people to Christ. This was, was my calling, was I believed in. And I will never forget when I, when I took over ICF, this church, God really forced me. He forced me to take over a church because it was never in my dream to lead a church and be a pastor in a church. You know why? Why not? Because being an evangelist, you have five messages, you preach, and everybody's happy. You go into the next city, the same thing. And people got saved. And the real job in the church, you don't have it. And after eight years, I said, God, God, something is wrong. You gave me a calling, leading people to Christ. You know what I do? Meetings and meetings and meetings. From Monday to Tuesday, meetings. Year after year, month after month, week by week. God, here's the evidence. Not one person got saved through these meetings. And for eight years, I struggled with the work God gave me. And the situation I was in. And about eight years, eight years later, we, we planted the first church in Basel, then in Bern. And when we planted 10 churches, I had a Holy Spirit moment. 
When God said to me, Leo, I called you to be an evangelist, winning people for Christ. And now you're thinking you're doing the wrong things, evidence no people got saved. Watch and learn. You planted 10 churches in Switzerland and in Germany. And every church planting, they win people for Jesus Christ. Instead of you are going alone, I have multiplied 10 people. They're going in your name and winning people for Christ. And here's the thing. I had some evidence in my hands. And for eight years, I believed in the wrong thing. And often the calling God gives you, we have a clear picture how, how it will look like. But often between a dream and a destiny, it's always a different story. And that's why this is not a good thing. I will close the last point. What is the purpose of the pit? What is the purpose of the pit test? What is the purpose of a pit test? In every test comes out your real heart. What is in your heart really? Is your heart gold and clean or there's some areas where you struggle for a moment? The best example in Bible for me is like Job. Job, he lost almost everything. He lost his children, his wife. He got very, very sick. He lost all the money, all the animals. He lost everything and he had an amazing pit. And when you're losing everything, the devil has only one agenda, one goal. When God is testing you so hard, the devil thought that Job will say to God, God, I don't believe in you anymore. I hate you. I, I will run away from you. But in the biggest pit test, you know what Job said? Yes, I lost everything. It was the hardest test in my life. I lost everything. It was the loser test of all. But then Job said in verse 42, verse 5, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. In every test, either I run away from God or God becomes more glory in me. Because the day when we got saved, we said, God, you live in me. It's not, I'm not living longer in me. When we baptized, we said, God, I die. You rose in me new. With other words, God, you live in me. And in every test, dear friends, it's not that God is a police officer. It's not that God is a mean teacher. God is saying in every test, Pastor Leo, there's some areas still in your heart. I have to chip it away. And I chip it for so long until the heart is gold. And this is the plan of God Almighty. That's why I love the story about Joseph. Because in all the ten tests, he passed them all. Why? He had a mindset. When God is testing me, it's not about me. God wants to bring out the gold in me. There's a slogan, oh, faith who has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. If your life goes smooth, it's always easy. When the sun shines, easy. But in those moments, when God tests you like in a pit, 
That's the moment when the real heart, the real gold comes out of you. In closing, I faced many tests in my life, and I have to be honest, every test was super hard, came out of the blue. But you know what helped me through all the years to pass the tests? Joseph. Joseph never ran away. Joseph never complained. Joseph believed in God. He stayed committed to God. And he said yes to God. And after 13 years of 10 tests, he became the number two. And he wrote history. And became your and my role model in Christianity. In closing tonight, maybe you're facing a pit test. And you feel like a victim. It's not my fault. There is always two options. We can stay in the pit and complain and whine and whine and whine and make yourself comfortable. That's not a smart thing to do. Another thing is, maybe you lost a position. The anointing is not in the rope. It's never in a position. Maybe you believed in a wrong lie. And you have some evidence for your soul. But these two things has a place. And that's the cross. And I think it's a time right now to bring those evidence to the cross. And even the rope to the cross. This is the place of healing, of restoration, and also miracles. I want to pray right now with you guys because I believe now and then we're facing some tests and out of every test becomes your testimony. Becomes more the real heart, the real gold. God brings the gold out in us. And that's why I love this amazing picture. Let's close our eyes for a moment. moment. Let's give God the permission to work on our hearts. God, here I am. I made a commitment many, many years ago. You, Christ, you live in me. I made that decision. I'm not living longer anymore. Christ lives in me. Not my will shall be done. It's about your kingdom. I made the decision. I am yours, God. Take me. Use me for your glory. And God, I give you right now the permission. Chip all those things away from my heart. The day doesn't belong to me. me shape me model my heart that my heart will reflect the glory of God on this earth
Maybe you feel like a victim. It's time to let people go. It's not about them. God used those imperfect people to bring the best out of you. Maybe you lost a position, a job. You put your hope in a rope, but the anointing is in you. Maybe you believed in some evidence, in some lies, and they're not actually true. Everything tonight we lay down on a cross. And what I love, like the next minutes, we just want to be quiet because I believe when we give room to the Holy Spirit, He will come and He will minister to us and He will speak to us in a very powerful and a very fresh way. And Holy Spirit, right now, speak to me. Give me a revelation. trust your sovereignty when there is no clarity because I can't sit forever in my disappointment and pain. I'm going to stand and I'm going to sing again, sing again, sing again. Fear loves to limit you. Fear loves to keep you where you are. Fear wants you to do what you have always done and never do anything else. Fear wants to shackle your potential and fear always wants to limit you. But every everlasting change starts with the Word of God. The Word of God has a power in it like nothing else. Jesus, I'm afraid. Jesus, let's do it. And there are moments when you are in a ladder, when you are facing an area where you're super afraid. Pray, grab, hold, face, and please don't give up.